candidates actually, a lot of them aren't actually sure what, what their clearance level is, where they stand. I, I would say that if there's ever a question, or if you're not sure, to truly research it and ask questions to more than one person. Talk to an FSO if you can. If you can't, then do, a, do the math, get the facts. Don't take it at face value, or if you're not sure, or sometimes recruiters aren't sure, it's just, it's just not very black and white, so just make sure you absolutely know, because you could be missing out on an opportunity, or you could get down the road and then discover that, oh, I'm not valid, and then you've lost all that time and, and energy in the recruiting process. Welcome to Security Clear Jobs, Who's Hiring and How, the podcast for cleared professionals looking for new opportunities and career advice. We go behind the scenes with recruiters and hiring managers from leading cleared employers to uncover the information you need to make a smart career move. Get ready for insights from this week's guest and your hosts, Kathleen Smith and Rachel Bozeman. Welcome to our listeners. This is Kathleen, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Rachel Bozeman. Well, hello, Kathleen, and super excited to be here and super excited to talk to our friend, Jada Fowler, with Diversified Technical Services, Inc., but we really like to call it DTSI. Jada is a technical recruiter with DTSI based in San Antonio, Texas, and something that many of our IT professionals love to hear, she is actually a recruiter with a degree in information systems and professional experience in IT. Welcome to our podcast, Jada. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So you are it, and by it, we mean you have the IT background, right? So we would love to hear just a little bit about your IT background and and what took you from the path of starting getting your education in IT and moving over to the really fun side of recruiting. Yes, probably not the typical story. Um, So I did, as you said, actually start out uh, in IT. I have a degree in IT. I started in the manufacturing industry. Uh, doing network implementations way back when. From there, went into SAP and did SAP implementations and consulting and on to be an application analyst. And then um, by that time, I had two small children and uh, due, due to some really unexpected circumstances, had to uh, step out of my career for a while and uh, really focus on my kids and I did work, but just took some jobs that had a lot of flexibility there. And so um, once they were grown, I decided I really wanted to get back into IT because my love for it never left and uh, went to an agency to help with that. And they said, have you ever thought of IT recruiting? And I definitely had not, <laughs> um, but thought it would be a good foot in the door opportunity because I had been out of it for a while. And, you know, IT changes so fast. And so here I am doing IT recruiting, and I really do love it because I don't have the stress of keeping like systems and uh, applications up and running, (laughs) no more middle of the night calls, but I'm still a part of the IT community. So it really is kind of the best of both worlds. 
it's always appreciated by job seekers who are looking for careers in IT to have someone who knows about those middle of the night calls. So I'm sure you're very popular with a lot of Bevelia. Absolutely. Oh, yes. So DTSI is an IT solutions provider with an interesting backstory. Can you share the heritage with us and how that resonates today? Uh, our company was founded in 1980 by a gentleman named Elio Castanuela, and he um, was from El Paso, Texas. He'd just gotten out of the Air Force and um, started the company, and his first contract was actually uh, flying in uh, low-flying planes, taking pictures, and then digitizing those photos. And so um, that was for the Department of Interior. And then um, from there, we did lots of interactive training. Um, we did interactive training on eight-track tapes uh, for the Patriot missile during the first Iraq war. Um, and then from there, we went on to do training and data processing for the Army, the Navy, the FAA. And then in 1989-90, really got into software development. And in 1992, we started hiring software developers for a contract here at Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio, and we still hold that contract to this day. So 30 years later, we're still doing software development uh, for the Air Force. Currently, we're just awarded some cyber and cloud contracts. And so I think the spirit and the integrity and the excellence that the company was founded on just continues to resonate today and everything that we say and do. And one of the things I love about this company is that we do, they place an emphasis on people and processes. And so, you know, as the technology changes, we know what we need to do to adapt and stay competitive. And there's just a strong emphasis on pouring into our people and making sure our processes are refined to do that. I think that's really exciting. Love it, love it. Obviously, the pride, you can hear it um, through the microphone, which is amazing. But for our listeners, we would love to hear just a little bit more about other contracts and other positions and where are those positions located? Yeah, so um, currently we have uh, positions in Texas, Alabama, Ohio, Utah, Florida, Illinois, really all across the nation. Um, we have contracts and positions, and um, that ranges anywhere from public trust, secret, confidential, top secret. And so um, really have a, have a variety of roles, um, mostly in the Air Force. Um, some of them are either with, are with DISA and then we, you know, we have other contracts as well, but a large percentage are, I would say, Air Force related. Are there particular roles or titles that you're looking for? Yeah, we do. For example, some of the current openings that we have uh, right now, um, we have air transportation analyst position at Scott Air Force Base um, in O'Fallon, Illinois. <laughs> Are you familiar with Scott? I'm from there. Oh, I'm nice. from there. Nobody ever says O'Fallon, so it's nice to hear good old Scott Air Force That's Base. Awesome. Good people up there for sure. <laughs> Amazing. I'm a mid. Sure. I'm a Midwesterner too. I'm from Ohio, so I'm right there with you. Love it. And we have a job fair at the Mid America Cyberspace Symposium in August. So oh, yeah. Perfect. I mean, Midwest is representing today. I love it. They are. Hard workers up there for sure. (laughs) So that's a secret clearance. Um, That requires a secret clearance. Um, We have uh, positions here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, One is a configuration release manager. 
um, on our HRSTS contract that requires a secret clearance. Um, we also have an information assurance specialist uh, role based out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, that That is a full-time remote position, um, and that requires a secret. And then uh, we also need Java and Salesforce developers here in San Antonio. So you just said some magic words that I know a lot of people are very excited about these days, remote opportunities. So do you want to talk a little bit more about this wonderful new term that everyone has, the remote opportunities? Can you, you know, sort yeah. of describe if you have positions that are fully remote or if there are other positions that are sort of a hybrid with people requiring site you know, on-site work versus working from home? Yes. And of course, that's music to the ears of a recruiter too, to know that we can recruit on a nationwide level rather than local for some of these positions. But um, a couple of our contracts the, um, do not specify on-site personnel. So they start out full-time remote, which is really awesome. And the team, the, the, the whole team is, is full-time remote, which is nice. Um, other positions, specifically the ones here in San Antonio, those are more of the hybrid roles. Uh, it, it really were kind of birthed from, you know, the period of, of COVID when everyone is working from home. Our, uh, some of our team have proven that they are actually a little more productive at home. And so um, some of our IT staff and support have actually run statistics of their productivity rate and closing tickets and uh, getting things resolved at a, at a quicker pace at home than actually being in the office. And so um, we really do, I mean, of course, we're always doing whatever the customer would like us to do, but I think it's, I think uh, in the world of IT, I think remote's kind of here to stay. Um, so the hybrid roles, people are working full-time remote right now, but there may be occasional on-site visits. And so that's really what our hybrid hybrid roles are about. Now, some of them, like the one up in O'Fallon, the RMRC group, they they do have to be on-site. So it really just depends on, on the contract and the, and the position. It sounds like you were able to take a lot of the remote positions and then really fetter out which ones could stay remote and which ones required being hybrid. And it sounds like that is just a, a really great working relationship you have with your customers and with your team members. You know, that's that's accredited to our, our team leads and our leadership working with the customer to figure out what can and can't be remote. And then, you know, the I don't have to tell you guys, it's tough market right now. <laughs> I mean, candidates, top talent, they're, they're requesting remote. Um, candidates are really kind of shopping around for which opportunity is best. And if we're going to stay competitive, if we want top talent, then we really can't dismiss, you know, remote work. And so I think that's the message is being relayed. And if it does require any kind of on-site we just, we do, there are candidates still out there that don't mind that. Um, I, I don't mind it. Yeah, I think, I think uh, we all need it a little for our uh, mental health and wellness to come in and, and experience that camaraderie. So uh, for those positions, we always want to emphasize that as, that as well, you know, that it can be a good thing. Well, it is, you know, pretty hard because I think, we talk about culture a lot, um, culture supporting the mission, and it's really hard to mesh a culture 
when you're not in the same location and you're not working close together and you're not around the water cooler kind of thing. It's amazing how I, I can't remember the last time an office I went into that actually had a water cooler <laughs> that everyone was standing around, but we still use this term. You're all around we the water cooler. We still have cooler. a water cooler. <laughs> yeah, got to have a water cooler. Got to have it, you know. And, but I, I think that one thing that would really touch into DTSI's um, culture is how you've handled the remote onboarding process for cleared employees. Because I know that when I talk to job seekers, they really say, wow, the onboarding was really fabulous. But what is what are some of the things that you have done during your onboarding process with your remote employees that really sort of makes them feel that they're part of the team? Of course, I want to make that the best experience as possible for them. So it is a constant communication with with the candidate up until maybe we make that offer and, and get them on board. And, and then um, we we make sure we're in that constant communication with them up until they start. And uh, one of the things that that we do we ha- we have a program called we call it First Four. And we make a point to reach out to our new hires like every 30, 60, and 90 days and just to make sure the transition is smooth. And I'll give them a phone call, see how things are going. And then we also send a a questionnaire to them to just ask them simple questions so that we can know that everything was taken care of. And some of those questions might include, you know, are you feeling like you're part of your team? Are you getting to know your teammates? And um, we've gotten really good feedback from that. I think... Uh, well, one, you know, people are isolated. They're at, they're at home. And when you start a new job, there's so much nerves and anxiety that come with that. And, um, I actually started here during COVID and it was the very first week. And so it was hard because I couldn't get a feel for the culture, the lingo, what to say. It's really hard to do when you're remote. And so we, of course, want that person to feel as comfortable and integrated as possible. And I think for me, not being a, a lead or a boss, um, just to be able to call and say, hey, how's it going? Hopefully they feel they can really kind of just be honest and, and let their guard down. So I think that's really it, just staying in that constant communication. Awesome. So Jada, in your discovery call with us, you mentioned something that was super particularly interesting around the clear job seekers and that they don't always know all of the particulars of their security clearances. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? I know we've got everybody on the edge of their seat now. So tell us a little bit more about what they know and don't know. And then what are some of your recommendations? Having been a little new to the to the clear community myself, I had a lot of questions about that. And I was noticing that Candidates actually, a lot of them aren't actually sure what, what their clearance level is, where they stand. I, there seemed to be lots of details and nuances that people just didn't know. And so as I've learned more and communicated with our FSO, I think I, I would say that if there's ever a question or if you're not sure to truly research it and ask questions to more than one person, talk to an FSO if you can. If you can't, then do do the math, get the facts. You know, for like a secret clearance, that can be good for 10 years, but if you haven't been in a position that holds it, it's still valid for up to 24 months in a non-classified position. But then if it's beyond that 24 months, you want to know when your last background investigation was. And because if that's within 10 years, then you still may be eligible for that position. And so 
I, I mean, it's all of this that can go into knowing if you actually might still be eligible for a, for a cleared role. And a lot of times I find myself working through that with the candidate just to find out where they're at. And so I would just say don't take it at face value or if you're not sure or sometimes recruiters aren't sure. It's just it's just not very black and white. So just make sure you absolutely know because you could be missing out on an opportunity or dismiss it. Or you could get down the road and then discover that, oh, I'm not valid. And, you know, then you've lost all that time and, and energy and in, you know, the recruiting process. Well, this is a really great time for us to mention the fact that we will be having a periodic podcast that is actually an interview with a security clearance lawyer named Anthony Kuhn, who does some really great presentations for us. That is really good advice that, you know, if someone is in a possible career transition, they may want to do some little background check on themselves as far as when they were last adjudicated, when they were last reviewed, um, and what their clearance level is. That's always a great advice for someone who has a clearance, who is working with a cleared facilities employer or someone transitioning from the military to sit down with their FSO and ask, so where am I and what am I doing? So getting back to DTSI, you are a subcontractor and in this community we have contractors and subcontractors. You have uh, about 200 employees, about half of whom are veterans. How do you compete for talent with larger companies that are primes? There's a few areas that we stay competitive. Um, one of them is is targeting contracts that are emerging tech and relevant tech, you know, such as cyber and cloud, working our way into, you know, data analytics, AI, um, because that in turn creates um, positions that are growth opportunities for candidates. And so as we know, the IT community, they want to grow, they want to develop their career and it's constant. And so they want to be in roles, some, sometimes not because of the compensation, but because it's going to be the, the next best step in their career. So I think that's something that we, uh, we, you know, we focus on constantly as we're looking to, to win contracts. And then the other thing too is it is kind of a family atmosphere. Um, everyone knows everyone. You're not just, uh, you're not just a number, so to speak. We do like to stay in touch with our employees, um, make them feel like they are a part of a, a team and a family. And um, I think that's proven through our, um, you know, with our culture and the people that we have because a large percentage, uh, a large small percentage of our positions are filled by referrals. And so I'm pretty proud of that. I mean, I think probably like 20 to 30 percent are referrals. And so that always feels good when current employees are actually referring their their friends uh, to join us and that's a nice sort of thumbs up five star review there when you have a really strong referral uh, program going on. And I just wanted to follow up on that question. So your CEO has a bit of a accounting background and your organization really excels at organization and documentation processes. And we talked to a lot of transitioning military folks who are used to structure. So 
we when we talk to transitioning military who are looking for structure, they are looking for something that is a very familiar kind of environment for them. So how do you make sure that your transitioning veterans know that they have structure and how does that work in making them successful in DTSI? One of the uh, programs we have in place is a mentorship program. And so, especially with transitioning veterans. And so um, when we bring that person on board, the hiring manager determines if they want them to be a part of the mentorship, mentorship program. And if, if they do, then they're, uh, you know, assigned a mentor and then that mentor can, of course, help walk them through it and, and grow the process. And then really, I, I mean, we are, we are so like process driven, um, as a company, probably half of us are, are veterans. And so we have, I mean, everything we do is a defined process and a procedure. And so, um, I, I mean, all the way from bringing someone on boarding, onboarding someone to, to new hire, to getting them familiar with the systems and processes. Um, I think that's w- what we're sharing with them every step of the way. I think it's comforting for our transitioning veterans to know that moving into several of these companies that do continue to support the mission are going to be a comforting, welcoming environment for them. So for sure. that's really sure. great. Well, you know, you've already mentioned that it's it's a tough market out there to be a recruiter in. Talent is hard to find and we're really, really working hard, but it's really forced a lot of transparency and conversations and making sure that you're, you know, doing your best to really make sure that it's a good fit for the candidate as well as the company. And one of those tricky areas uh, for a lot of recruiters has been around salary. Um, It's do I, don't I? How much don't I say? Do I say? And, and kind of back and forth there. So can you explain to us a little bit about the salary numbers, how those are determined? Yes. And you are absolutely right, Rachel. It's like the first question next to full-time remote, what's the compensation <laughs> is typically the first question. And candidates are so bold these days. Like, you know, I, back in the day, you didn't know what your salary was until you actually got that offer letter, but, but not so today. So um, I have found, since that is the first questions that that's typically asked, I don't want it to be a hard stop if the range isn't exactly what the candidate is looking for. And so um, trying to share the process behind the depends on skills and quals, you know, can at a minimum extend the conversation or if it's not the right role then, you know, you're always trying to develop that pipeline. Um, and then it gives the opportunity to really kind of share more about the job and the company as a whole, aside from, from compensation. So um, we do, uh, because we are very um, process-oriented and we are a government contractor, we do um, have a process in place to determine the salary. And so I, I have started sharing that we utilize a salary compensation tool to determine the average market rate, which is usually between the 50th and the 75th percentile. And if that position is hybrid or on-site, um, it's going to be the market rate for that city. If it's a, if it's a full-time, then it's going to be a, a nationwide market rate. And then, you know, we take that, that market rate and that's our target goal. And that's always what we're shooting for. Now, skills and qualifications can possibly change that. Uh, where we can go over or we can go under. If we do that, then we just, we have to justify it. So we have to 
you know, really kind of state our case um, as to why we are uh, going outside of that range. And so uh, I think that when the candidates kind of have the whys behind the range rather than uh, just making assumptions or, you know, just thinking we're just throwing this range out there to try to, you know, get whatever low rate we can, I think it gives them the assurance that we aren't just going about it blind, basically. When I've started sharing that and how we come about that, it does open the conversation up more. You've shared how you just are able to navigate the salary conversations. You've talked about how you can really understand the candidates and and help them find that career. And now, gosh darn it, Jada, everyone just wants to know you. So how in the world can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, well, I think LinkedIn is the best is the best way. I'm out there, Jada Fowler at DTSI, and that's my email as well, jadafowlerdtsi.com, or just go to our dtsi.com webpage and call the the phone and ask for me. It's that simple. (laughs) Awesome. So that was Jada Fowler with DTSI sharing with us just a, a really great company based in San Antonio, Texas, but also with remote positions, something that we rarely hear about. So I was really tickled to hear she has so many remote positions. She has also remote and hybrid positions. What were some of the things you enjoyed talking to Jada about with Rachel? First, I just love Jada. Just such a sweet personality and just really, really passionate about what she does. And she knows where O'Fallon, Illinois is. So that was pretty exciting. Um, But really just loved what she had to share about the company. More importantly, how they do, I think, what she called the first four. They really do that check-in, that 30, 60, 90, to understand what went well. Is everything that we told you coming to fruition? If something hasn't come through, how can we help you make it a reality? And just think that's such a beautiful example of how a corporation really cares about their employees and not just, hey, we got you in the door, we're done, uh, but really about how can we make sure that the career is everything that you want it to be and how can we take the best care of our customers. So I thought that was pretty amazing. And with that... That's it. That's all, folks. That's all we got today. So thanks so much for coming and joining us. Make sure you subscribe and rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And until then, we'll see you later.